Hey guys, and welcome to The Slowdown. It's the zone we all find ourselves in right now. I talked to Jess and Bayman from Human and Horse, a couple who tamed wild stallions and set out to ride the entire length of New Zealand. We talk about slow travel, meditating with horses, and what it's like to emerge from the wild and find the world in lockdown. So grab yourself a cup of tea or a wine. Here's our conversation. Hello. Morning, guys. How are you? Hey, Celeste. Really good. Thank you. And yourself? Yeah, yeah. Good. Thank you. Where are you guys right now? Where Where are we chatting from? Uh, so at the moment, we're in Golden Bay, which is basically the top of the South Island in New Zealand. It's a lovely little secluded community right on the coast. And we're sort of tucked away right on the edge of National Park here. And so although we sort of come from backcountry and to sort of make a mad dash into civilization it's a really cool kind of um interim spot for it you know so we still have stunning surroundings out the back and we've got just kilometers of bush and um, out the back of where we are and we're in a lovely little cabin just beside a pond um, yeah, uh, yeah very nice yeah. so we'll get to um the whole lockdown situation um but first i just want to rewind a little bit and and go back to october 2019 i believe is when you might have set off so uh you set out um taming wild stallions no less and um set out to traverse the entire length of new zealand on horseback so can you just tell me a little bit about how that idea came about when it came about and and yeah what kind of motivated you to do that yeah, sure. So um, I think for myself, I mean, I was in New Zealand in 2007, I think it was, and just fell in love with the country. And it was just kind of a, a holiday here at that point. Um, and I remember driving through and just seeing these incredible mountains and rolling hills and just thinking, holy shit, this would be amazing to actually ride on horseback. Um, and so I think that's when the seed of the idea sort of came into my mind uh, was all the way back then. And then Jesse and I met guiding in the Victorian high country. Um, and even back then when we first met, we sort of spoke about a few, how cool it would be to do some long distance rides. Um, yes. And yeah, so I, I guess that's where that idea was born. And then doing it with the wild horses, you know, we were sort of chatting about it uh, one night around the bar with a couple of our colleagues and just talking about how cool it would be to do this trip. And there was a gentleman called Tommy Water, who's an amazing horse trainer and he was at the bar he had a lot to do with the common or wild horses and he was like well if you're going to do a trip like this i'll tell you what you need to get yourself some wild horses and kind of <laughs> it all just steamrolled from there so wow. yeah kind of accelerated real quick and so mm -hmm. it went from dream to reality real quick and um, a little bit faster than we were anticipating so we ended up actually pushing it back a little bit after that okay um, yeah so you had some time to obviously because you needed to break in these horses and and get to know them can you tell me a little bit about that process um yeah so we um we got them in april of 2018 and we went up to the north island um and we stayed up there for about six months and uh, when they first came to us it was about 24 hours after the muster and they got dropped off into uh, cattle yards that we had arranged and um, literally showed up in the rain one morning <laughs> and um, the first month I, I called it maternity leave because we quite literally spent about eight to ten hours every day just out there with the horses spending time in the paddock um, just 
purely being there. Um, mm-hmm. We talk about when we when we start horses, oftentimes domesticated horses, you're teaching them a skill. Whereas with the wild horses, a lot of that initial process is teaching them a lifestyle. Okay. So it's all about them um, learning, you know, what what humans are, what fences are, what water troughs are. Um, you know, it's you've removed them from a very different life, and it's the only life that they've known. And so that initial process is all about, um, yeah, just getting them acclimated and getting them used to their new lifestyle. Um, and so we kept it really low energy, um, very low pressure, um, and just started uh, moving around them, working around them. Um, you know, doing daily chores, going in and picking up poo, and then um, you know, just hanging out. We would play cards. We mm-hmm. we actually camped out there, and so um, yeah, the, the, um, that initial process was all about that. Yeah, and I love the it. thing with wild horses, what you've got to understand is that I mean, they've never seen a fence before. You know, they've never interacted with humans before, and so even something as simple as a water trough, like you know, let's say a bright blue tub or something, is terrifying for them. Mm-hmm. Um, us as humans, you know, in their perspective, we're predators, you know, humans are predators. And so you've got this predator-prey dynamic. And so for us, it was really important that the way that we started them was fear-free. You know, we didn't want to go down the conventional route of breaking the horse. And a lot of that was slowing ourselves down to actually meet those horses on their level. You know, we as humans are so busy all the time. And what we found um, that first month was a lot of essentially just meditating with horses. You know, we would go in there and our training methodologies were literally just sitting down, being present, and giving them a chance to um, sort of come to us. And what we found was that if we, if we went in there with too much of a busy mind or too much, of, um, too much energy or too much intent, then the horses would actually shy away from that really quickly. So mm-hmm. a huge part of that process was just slowing ourselves down and um, helping them feel a bit more comfortable with the situation. Yeah, amazing. And I know because that's a that's a real thing now, isn't it? That um, you know, that connection with um horses and having that equine therapy. It's um it's something that I've actually done for a story once and uh, you know, one of the the uh day spas over here in Australia, they uh have a big program and so you can go in there and spend time with these horses and yeah it was such an amazing experience. It's um it's hard to describe to people if they haven't um haven't spent right. time with horses before but um yeah and I'm certainly not an experienced horse person but just being in there uh you know and and it was as simple as just walking like you know just knowing when you were mm-hmm. both going to start walking and kind of walking around yeah. the ring like as something as easy as that it's, yeah really amazing connection really but being present in that connection you know I think yeah. that's the key when you're working with horses you know like it's so much more than just walking around with them. You know, if your thoughts are over to work or to anything else, then your horse picks up on that so quickly. Right. And I think that's why they make such fantastic sort of uh, meditation feedback. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're just little, they're like mirrors for us, you know. Um, and yeah, so as you know, it's an incredible experience. And yeah. For us, it was amazing. So, and we had the luxury of time. So for us, it was a lot less about getting stuff done and more about ensuring that they were comfortable um, where they were at so that when, uh, when we needed to start getting stuff done, they were in a good space to do it. Yeah, awesome. Dial, uh, winding it back a little bit further, can you tell me about your backgrounds? Like, uh, what were you doing before? Uh, well, how long have you been guiding and what were you doing beforehand? Yeah, so my background's in digital media and marketing. And okay. So I spent a lot of time on a computer doing websites, doing coding. Um, a lot of photography and video work and I kind of stumbled onto guiding through that 
Um, and so I was working for a couple of outfitters and um, you know, did a few websites and a few photo packages and stuff and just absolutely loved being out there in the mountains. You know, I'd always been around horses, but for me, this was an opportunity to really um, kind of step back from that hectic pace. You know, I, I think in modern life, uh, you know, with devices and your phone in your pocket, work is never more than like a meter away from you. It's always at the back of your mind and it's that constant stress. And, and for me, with the guiding aspect of things, it gave me a chance to just completely unplug from that. Um, so I generally work in studio during the week and then on weekends I'd go and guide and it wouldn't be reception, it would just be me, nature and a couple of clients. And, um, and that was that was really cool. Yeah, it sounds um, incredible. Yeah, and then I just realized, I mean, it's that ratio was a little bit dumb, so I switched that ratio around and uh, guided five days a week and then still do some design work on the weekends. Excellent. Um, and uh, yeah, great way to travel the world and just experience some amazing places. You know, that it's such a such a privilege to fully immerse yourself for up to five days at a time in a beautiful place. You know, and mm-hmm. and, and even more so in, in a whole season. You know, so like Jesse and I guide we guide in Yellowstone National Park as well. We guide six day pack trips to the most remote area in the lower forty eight states. But being out there week after week, you know, we're out for six days and back for one, but week after week, you see the seasons change. You really, really get a sense for um, what the land around you is doing. You get to know the local um, wolf pack and all that kind of stuff. And there's that connection with nature these days is so rare. And it's such a privilege to be able to experience that. Um, and I think guiding for me really enabled that. So that's sort of where I got into that. And I still, I, I still do a fair bit of design and video work now. So a big part of our project is documenting all the tracks and trails and, Trying to inspire other people to get out there, and so I still use that background. Um, okay. What that venture we're doing now, but obviously with a bit more of a focus on being outdoors and yeah, being that's amazing, and it's such a it's a big call to to change your whole career and lifestyle in that way. But you know, as you've described, like what you get out of that, you know, just by flipping that around with your five days versus the two, like it's amazing, and I can imagine with um, horse ride guiding and being on horseback like you're even seeing another side of some of these destinations that people travel to you know because it's I'm sure you're going on trails that aren't necessarily where the hikers go or where you know um, it's sort of like a whole different side and this New Zealand trip is is a great example of that as well yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah it's it really is special you know like you're, I think horses open up a um a, big avenue because you can carry a whole lot more stuff with you know we can carry about 14 days worth of food with us it really means that you don't necessarily have to um you know do a resupply every four or five days so even most hardcore hikers won't be out there for more than a week at a time and we can kind of push that to about two weeks at a time um, which is uh, which is a great way of doing it amazing and what about you jess what's your background um so i went to school for biology and anthropology in the states okay well um, <laughs> yeah uh, and i got through my degree about six years ago now and absolutely loved what i was learning what i was doing um really enjoyed science uh, i enjoyed everything so much that i really couldn't decide on what i wanted to do with it and um you know, I got to the end of my undergrad degree and I just, um, you know, the pressure is on to get your master's and your PhD and find your pathway. And um, yeah, I got a little, a little bit stuck on that pathway. So I 
um, I decided to take a year off and ended up in Yellowstone. That was my, my first kind of taste into guiding. I was like, well, I like the outdoors. Um, you know, I can get some wilderness experience and, um, you know, use my bio that way. And, yeah. um, I just, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I know what your life, especially coming from academia, um, what your life looks like on the trail is so very much in front of you. Um, you can mm. see your challenges, you can see the day, you can see tomorrow, you can see next week. Um, and so that clarity um, and that very, sometimes very challenging and very difficult, but in other ways, simplest, uh, simplicity, it's, yeah, I think it started to put things in perspective for me. Um, and uh, yeah, so I ended up, traveling over to Australia, which is where I met Bateman, um, in, in Victoria, um, and uh, ended up kind of doing what I did, the three-season hop for about four years, going back to Yellowstone and then um, over to, to New Zealand from there, and so we would jump back and forth, um, kind of following the seasons and, and doing that. Um, and for a long time, I didn't necessarily see how those two, my biology and my academia, uh, fit in with, you know, my um, guiding and um, I'm starting to uh, see that a little bit more I'm seeing the connections seeing the interests come up through um, being outside and being able to um, see the, the biology aspect um, in in health and so looking at your lifestyles um, looking at your mental state looking at um, your mind and gut your nutrition, um, but putting that into the context of being outside and taking care of our bodies. Um, whereas uh, that's just a, it's a different type of medicine that I'd ever kind of anticipated looking into, but I find it really fascinating as a personal journey on, on this trip um, to explore those topics and to dive into some of the, um, you know, our personal biologies but as well as uh, the natural biology. And so understanding how those two interact um, has kind of been my, my personal journey um, that way. And so, yeah. yeah we, mm. And because I'm sure that, I mean, it, from the sounds of it, I mean, the, the greatest part of your life is spent out on the trail, but um, you know, how does that then affect when you go back into civilization? What are some of the things that have become really apparent to you and, and how do you, bring some of that mindset or the things that you've learned out in the wild back into uh, the everyday, if you want to call it that? Yeah, great question. Um, and it, it is definitely something that we, uh, you know, being out there, we take for granted because we, you know, we both feel amazing when we're, when we're out there and, you know, you work hard during the day, but you sleep so well at night, you feel rested, you feel energized, um, despite physically working a lot harder than you ever do. And what we've realized coming back out of the backcountry now is things like screen time, you know, the amount of time that we spend at night on phones and devices and just how disruptive that is to our sleeping patterns and our circadian rhythms. You know, we all know how bad blue light is for you, but um, just how easy it is to fall into those patterns and, you know, 11 o'clock rolls around and you're watching something on Netflix again or you're scrolling through Facebook and it's yeah. all of these new things that don't add to your life or don't necessarily um, bring bring joy to your life but how easy it is to get stuck back into that um, and you know being out in the wilderness being removed from that it really gives you an opportunity to step away from that and be present in the moment whereas it's so easy here to just your our minds just latch onto those devices and i think that's probably one of the biggest things we've noticed um, and then staying active i guess as well and, and being present yeah. Yeah. <laughs> being present 
the probably the biggest thing here for for us. It's uh, I find particularly now in lockdown because we're in a in a small um, a small contained environment. You know, our brains are wanting to be up there constantly, and so it's very hard to pull ourselves back into the space that we're currently in. Um, in terms of in terms of doing that, um, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed from the trail to here is that it becomes, it opens up your awareness of it. So, you know, prior to being removed from all this stuff, that your, your natural lifestyles or your normal modern day lifestyle um, is very much, you know, it's screen time, it's, um, you know, whatever your habits of eating are within the day, it's, um, you know, staying up late or not, going to bed early, it doesn't really matter um but being out on the trail and resetting and then coming back into a different lifestyle it brings all of those things forward it shows it goes oh my gosh two weeks ago i was not up at two o'clock in the morning and here i am up at two o'clock in the morning so <laughs> you know it, um by bringing it forward in your awareness you can acknowledge that it's not maybe the healthiest thing and so then um there's more uh, incentive to change uh, because you can see that it doesn't have to be the way that you're living um, yeah. and yeah. I think and it's so it, it is so hard to um, to bring those things forward and so the importance of acknowledging them to be able to make them important and then work with them in your life um, if you don't acknowledge that it's not healthy then there's no reason to change yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and so we are in lockdown right now, especially in New Zealand. You guys were, you know, first to, to do that over there. Um, where were you when you heard the news and, um, yeah, what happened? Because you, you set out on this epic adventure um, and I believe you weren't quite through it. Um, you know, you, you'd been out in the wild for six months, I think, at this point. Um, yeah, tell me how you heard about it and, and what the world looked like when you came out into reality right so we were we just stopped in a little town called Tupperware and we we're having some lunch um, on some picnic tables um, in a little park and um, while we we're having lunch and we traveled about 25 kilometers at this point and we we're only planning on going another three or four k's that day to a little campsite just out of town um, and while we we're having lunch just sort of um, picked up my phone and had a look and there was our prime minister addressing the nation and she basically said you guys have 48 hours to go home and once you're there that's where you're staying for the next four weeks and we already had a little bit of a rough outline of where we wanted to be and so we had a, a direction we were always going to come to golden bay but we sort of assumed we had probably about at least a week probably two weeks to try and find a place um, for ourselves and then this notice came through and we had something like 150 kilometers to travel in 48 hours to make it to uh, at this point not yet fully confirmed home you know and wow. for us you know accommodation for horses and for humans and and that's not a small a small ask you know and it's, it's one thing if you've got time it's we find it's really um the community's been fantastic you can only ride into a place and people have been incredibly hospitable but at this point we're sort of just sent out messages on facebook community boards and just sort of said can you guys help us and and then reached out through some friends of friends and and yeah. I managed to find an amazing place, but yeah, that like that day we ended up riding another thirty something kilometers um, after that, and only made it to our campsite that night at about ten o'clock. And it wasn't it? It was just on next to some river somewhere, but yeah. only pulled in about ten o'clock that night in pitch black. Um, and we sort of knew we had a couple of really big days ahead of us. Um, yeah, it was a it was a big push. Um, yeah, about most of the days on the trail. Um, 
stressful days multiple on the trail that we've had and, and kind of the exact opposite of what you were doing and and the, the life that you've been leading <laughs> yeah, it's thoroughly, thoroughly. interestingly you know when we when we came out everyone was like why don't you just go back in go back you know go back off grid and um you know it is something that it was so it was very tempting actually yeah um, just hide <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But even, um, you know, being off-grid, you have to come into civilization for food and supplies. And yeah, for the past three months, we've been hitchhiking into towns to do our resupplies. And so um, the simplest thing of you can, um, you can be far away, you can be off-grid and you can see nobody, but then you do have to rely on people and um, to be able to get those supplies. So ironically that we were coming further into civilization to isolate purely because of the logistics um you know it's a bit backwards actually yeah. because we've been isolated we've been completely self-isolating for January <laughs> off-grid and, and yeah exactly how that switches and how mm. um you know something like that can flip around <laughs> totally yeah that's a really interesting perspective um so <laughs> And, and, and of course, like none of us know, right? Like we don't know how long this is going to last, what, what, what's going to happen. Um, but looking forward, um, do you still have plans to, like where are you yet to go to? Tell me about the rest of the journey. So we're actually only about halfway through our journey. The uh, mission for us was to ride the whole country. Um, mm -hmm. Well, that was our initial mission when we set out. So being at the top of the South Island was sort of at the halfway mark. And it was, like I said, we were kind of planning on stopping here for the winter in any case, just to re-up some ferns and um, have a bit of a break and avoid the riding in the really cold weather. So yeah. um, the plan is still, hopefully in the springtime, we'll still set out and um, we'll still ride the length of the North Island. Um, and I mean, obviously, everything's a little bit up in the air at the moment with COVID and how that's going to track. Uh, I mean, yeah. we're hopeful it'll settle down by then. Um, so, yeah, it's still definitely our plan to um, keep riding up and uh, keep showing the beauty of New Zealand. So. Yeah, amazing. And I'm sure that you're gaining quite a following now, particularly with, uh, you know, all of this coming about. Um, people will be very anxious to follow along and watch the rest of the journey unfold. So... Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is how this style of travel, and I'm not sure how much traveling you'd done um, previously before you started guiding um, or, you know, how that compares, but why, why is this style of travel so appealing, do you think? Um, I mean, there's, there's a couple of different levels to that, I think, personally. Um, you know, in terms of slow travel with horses, um, you're basically, you're seeing exactly, you know, the most beautiful, pristine locations in some of the most amazing places in the world. And you're doing it at a walking pace without having to look at your feet. <laughs> and you're doing it with a companion. Um, not only a you know a human companion, but with animals. And like we were talking about that, um, what an animal adds to an experience. You know, why do you have your cat? Why do you have your dog? Uh, why do you have your horses? And how does that add to being out in the wilderness? Um, and being able to yeah take in that moment, take in everything around you. And you may be looking at the same mountain for a day, for two days, for three days. 
and um, you know or a valley and your perspective on the world around you is very much um, yeah it it is immersive um, mm-hmm. it's all about being being there um, and you might be there for quite a while and that's that's amazing um, and sometimes it's uncomfortable and that's okay sometimes you know um, you're riding in the rain or you're uh, you're not riding you're on foot you know scaling rocks that you didn't anticipate being in. Yeah. but it's just about being um, yeah forces that presence which as humans we really struggle with we really struggle we want to be somewhere else even if we want to be where we are um, and so by having those things taken away and just making um, the world around you your immediate um, you know life and journey is yeah it um, really makes you appreciate that so much more I think yeah, and I think you also, you notice this a lot more. Like, like Jesse said, at the start there, if you go hiking, if you're to do a trip like this on foot, you know, you're spending 80% of your time looking at your feet, trying to you know, avoid that rock or that root and missing out. And you're basically making sure that you're not going to trip and fall over. Being on horseback, you've got a horse to take care of that for you. You know, So for the most part, out on the trip, we're looking up and around and a horse is also really good at pointing out stuff that we might not have seen. You know, the deer that's going off on um, the side of the mountain over there. You know, if you watch those horses' ears, they'll point out everything that we as humans would very easily miss out there on the trail. Yeah. And so they're really great at that. And I think the other aspect that's really cool when you're riding a horse is there's a um, there's a physical connection as well as a mental connection. And when you're riding, you're thinking about um, you're thinking a lot about what you're doing with your body on the horse in a way that isn't. Um, it's not distracting you know so by when you're riding your horse and you're sort of following that horse's rhythm you find that really nice physical rhythm which frees your mind up um, and it really gives you a chance to appreciate everything else around you um, and then there's there's lots of little things like you know we touched on this before but um we do a fair bit of sort of equine assisted um meditation stuff and you know at night time there's nothing more amazing when we come into a campsite than going to have our evening cup of tea and we'll lie down with our horses and then they'll actually come over and lie down with us you know so they'll join us in that space and that's just magic it's absolute magic and um having them there to kind of facilitate that for us um is really neat so it's something that if we were um just by ourselves sure we'd probably have that same cup of tea and go and sit somewhere quiet and and enjoy it but having the horses there to keep you in that moment a lot longer and so that's really neat and really special um and you know over the years of guiding it's a it's a transformative effect we've seen on countless clients you know, all over mm-hmm. the world. Like, I can't tell you how many times we've seen people arrive at the start of a six day trip or something. And um, even just basic stuff like how you define yourself. You know, people introduce themselves by this is what I do. This is where I live. This is my hobby. By about day three on a horseback trip, that all falls away. And it, it, we just strip away these facades of who we are and what's left is just who you are. And I think horses and slow travel in particular play a really big role in that you know sort of getting down to the crux of of who you are and just stripping away all that um that facade um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so i think that's one of the really neat things about it um, yeah. and hell it's just awesome fun so yeah no it, it sounds so incredible and like you say because i think some people might look at it and go oh well I, you know i've never had anything to do with horses i'm not a horse person i didn't grow mm-hmm. up with them like you know I, that's not possible for me but you know i i guess like you say with the clients on on some of the rides um do yeah do you see this as i mean i personally am very interested in it and i think that it teaches you a lot about the world and also 
you know, when you compare this way of traveling with some of the other methods that are out there, I just think that what our planet can handle and what, um, you know, people are going to want, particularly after this period, this resetting period is going to be very different. Um, so yeah, what would you say to people that are, you know, kind of, I guess, curious or considering uh, looking into some sort of a travel experience like this? I think, I mean, without a doubt, <laughs> do it. It's, it's, it'll change. I think it'll change your life. And it, it almost doesn't matter whether it's on horseback or whether you're taking a slow river journey, um, let's say, or um, I think being able to get out there and slow yourself down and get yourself out into nature. Once, once you've done that and properly experienced that and overcome some of the challenges on the trail, it, I mean, it changes the way you look at things when you get back. It really is transformative. And, um, I think particularly now in this current climate where everything's about stress and we're so focused on the news all over the world and all this negativity coming in from all angles, um, being able to get out there and leave all of that behind is, I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. It's something I think everyone needs. Um, and on, on that note, um, I think also, you know, we did this, we've been a five-month or six-month journey at this point. We've got a couple more months to go. But if you can get out for a day and, you know, start with an afternoon walk, you know, start in your backyard, start with something that you're comfortable with but you don't normally do um, and work your way up from there. You know, it's uh, something like this, it would be very, very daunting for us, I think, especially if we hadn't done guiding in the past or hadn't had our, you know, years of uh, packing in different countries. And um, so, you know, we had that um, a little bit of a educational cushion and uh, reliance, you know, understanding that we could do it. Um, but even that first week, it was a big, um, you know, it's a big push to, to set out on that trail and, and to know that you can do it. So um, for people that are uh, resisting or saying, no, no, I couldn't do that, or I, I you know, that's too much, or, uh, you know, just, you know, put your, take a step. Um, that's all it takes is, um, I know if you like horses, but you've never ridden, go find somewhere that, you know, has a horse that has never been ridden, as we say. <laughs> but that's not um, Yeah, you know, we used to take out lots of clients in Yellowstone that had never ridden before ever in their life. And they wanted to see Yellowstone and be, enjoy mm -hmm. the backcountry. And mm -hmm. they would, you know, they would just have the most amazing um, experiences with these horses and become stronger and better people for it um, just by going out and, and doing it. And, you know, if you're afraid to do it on your own, you know, there's lots of people that are, you know, our guides like us, you know, have, um, you know, have an experience and, and just something that interests you. Like, like I mean, said, if it's on a river, if it's on a raft, if it's on your feet, it's, you know, um, but yeah, you start with, something you're comfortable with but a little bit out of your comfort zone and, and mm -hmm. just give it a try I think that's, yeah yeah and I think the experience thing you know not having experience in a particular um, activity doesn't really matter if you're going with an, an organized tour and, and that's the beauty of, of slow travel or the taste you know having having guides there that take care of all of the logistics for you and um, have the expertise to keep you safe out there it makes a world of difference so you know you can then free yourself up to just enjoy the experience um, so you sort of get to enjoy it without having to worry about all the, the stuff from the, the stuff you don't know <laughs> the stuff you don't know yeah. and worry about. Um, but uh, yeah i mean it, it's an amazing experience and i genuinely think if everyone took the time to 
go and do a week-long mission somewhere um, in the world would just be a completely different place. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very true. May I just have one more question. When did you both first ride a horse? Cool. Uh, gosh, I, I would have been really young. Um, I don't know, five or six, I guess. Um, uh, I'm not sure. My, um, one of my mom's best friends in South Africa runs an equine facilitated therapy business in South Africa. She's got this herd of beautiful Frisians and uh, we always used to visit their farm. And uh, my mom's got some great photos of me out with the ponies when I was just really, really, really little. And I would just disappear. Every opportunity I could, I'd go hang out with the horses and um, jump on top when I could. And But even just be with them was just a real treat for me. So that's kind of where it started for me. And um, yeah, every opportunity, wherever we were, we moved around a lot as a kid, but wherever we were, we'd be, um, horses were the one thing I'd try and get my hands on so, in some capacity. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of my uh, earliest memories. Um, and my family is not, they're not into horses, but my neighbor had a horse and I would go and I would look over the fence and watch her, watch her ride uh, when I was really, really young. And I think I was about four or five when um, I first rode. And I was just absolutely determined to um, make riding part of my life. And so I ended up um, working off my my lessons and so uh, mm -hmm. I had a really really wonderful uh, inspirational teacher who allowed me to uh, work at age eight um, and <laughs> drive around by ponies um, and taught me a lot about um, yeah work ethic and just if I did if I tried I rode if I didn't want to work I didn't get to ride and so um, I can't thank her enough for that because um, my yeah my family wonderfully they weren't involved if if I didn't want to do it I didn't and yeah. so uh, it just was a it's a, it was a really good lesson for me in uh, perseverance and yeah. Um, yeah so I ended up kind of doing that for most of my uh, younger years and um, didn't always said it wasn't going to be a job um, and now I've rephrased that and said um, it's only going to be a job if I want it to be so yeah. um, you know, don't want to be chained to something that you um, enjoy and yep. make it something you no longer enjoy. So it's always been um, the passion first. Yeah, that's an awesome way of looking at it. That's beautiful. Mm. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate the time and um, yeah, good luck getting through the rest of this uh, this isolation in civilization, as you you put it. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to seeing when you get back out there and and following along with the rest of the journey. And uh, yeah, look to see what happens. Yeah, Thanks thank you. So it's much. been lovely chatting. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for reaching. It's so nice to connect with you guys. Have a great day. You yeah. too. Cheers, Celeste. See ya. Bye. Thanks so much for watching this video. If you like what you saw, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to be the first to know when new videos are released. And head over to lifeunhurried.com where you can check out all of our slow stays and inspiring conversations with people that are living a life unhurried. 